So if you won the flag this year, Wendy, would that be a spur to keep going, give up, or it won't have any impact? Yet another huge show coming up on the Tassie Sports Lounge with Steve Old, the CEO of uh, the Tasmanian Hospitality Association. Oldie, how are you, mate? David, how are you? In this very salubrious studio. Uh, we've gone to – no expense has been spared. We've got such support. Uh, we've got Smithy Adam Smith from the Mercury, great sports journalist, brings a bit of credibility. In fact, it's just good to see him here because he was meant to be here <laughs> last week, but he, he was off – uh, who are you interviewing? Uh, Novak, Serena Williams? Novak, Serena, mate, the US Open, fantastic place. Yeah, yeah That shows the calibre of this show. He was at the golf after that, wasn't he, or something? Yeah. Well, I think it was getting KB Bryant, wasn't he? Bry- just, Bryson DeChambeau just won, yes. the, won the major. I went and grabbed him quickly. It'd be hard to get Kobe. <laughs> Kobe would be a struggle, yes. And, and just come back to be a part of the Tassie Sports Lounge. Great to and be what, here. what a lineup we've got today. It is, of course, uh, TSL finals time in the footy and we've got Darren Winter, who is the coach, the long-term coach of the Lauderdale Bombers, uh, struggling probably to, to win against North Launceston. We'll talk to him about that. We also have uh, from uh, Cricket Tasmania, Don Baker, the CEO. Interesting season ahead. I think we're all a bit uncertain about how it's going to unfold, so it'll be good to get details on that. Uh, it's finals time also in netball, so we've got Aaron Pigeon from Netball Tasmania. And we'll have a look at how the Cavs are going to go to represent the South. Of course, South versus North against the Hawks in the North. I want to see Cavs win. And, uh, of course, we've got Barrel Andrew Moore uh, to talk about Clubs Tasmania. Now, as the show goes on, I think we're sitting at about just under 800,000 downloads at the moment. I'm, I'm expecting to go up as we go. So we'll just do a running report. It's the fastest-growing sports show in the world at the moment. Um, is that right? Well, I've heard no You're, one say otherwise. You haven't otherwise, heard that? So, well, I haven't heard otherwise. So yeah. I'm you. <laughs> All the talk around town, Smithy, Dave, is just the talk, <laughs> is the talk is around. And oh, look, I'm just happy to be part of it and that you didn't replace me after the first week. So, Well, you're on a, you're on a big wage. Um, we're all. We're <laughs> <up to laughs> we'll wait for you to come back with some great gun interviews for us. And you've brought nothing. Yeah, like we a, flew him but, overseas to try and line up some international stars. Comes back with absolutely. Lost in quarantine. Deadly squat. <laughs> Well, we'll look. We'll see how this show goes. It is show two on the Tassie Sports Lounge. Hey, Wendy, how are you? Thanks, Dave. We thought we'd get you in because we're heading towards the finals, and uh, we've got one game left in the round, uh, the final round. But then we're heading towards the finals. You guys are in it. We just want to investigate what the situation is at the moment and what is wrong with the league. Before we go into the finals themselves, what is wrong with the South with such a power club as Glenorchy? looking like it's going to sit on bottom on the bottom of the ladder. I just find that so sad. Yeah, look, it is disappointing that, um, you know, a club like Glenorchy, obviously been a, a powerhouse, but oh, I think you do have swings and roundabouts as you go along through, you know, the decades of football. Um, you, sometimes you just can't stay there and and you, you might not have that talent coming through at different stages. But and that's got to be down to management. I mean, and look at your old club, Clarence, same but thing. Someone's got to sit on the bottom, mate. If you, and <laughs> well, you're talking about say, Melbourne here, are you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, but when you say you've got, you've got two Lonnie sides and that's it, so you've got a 
After conglomerate talent that over the north and northwest coast town come together and form two sides, and then you've got the other sides in Southern Tas. So you can't have all the southern sides being being strong. So someone's got to sit on the bottom, and Glenorchy has notoriously been there for a long time. And and it also probably shows, like Windy's saying, credit swings around about how long Windy's kept Lauderdale up the top because. Let's be honest, you know, they've come from nowhere in, in the league many years ago and Windy's managed to keep him at the top of the game and in the finals for a long time. I mean, there's a lot of credit has got to go to him in relation to that. Um, my question to Windy, how do, you, how do you do it, mate? I mean, you don't – not being rude, you don't have the best facilities no. compared to other clubs in the statewide Scott league, but you've done, an unbe- you've done an unbelievable job to get players to come to a footy club that you don't have Blunston Arena, you don't have KGV down there. How have you done it? Yeah, look, I, I think the first thing is that the guys – actually call it a tip themselves. So they, they love being down there. Uh, we, we have full access to our facilities. While, while they're not the best, they're not Bell Reeve, um, we've got full access to them. So we can train there 12 months a year. So so that certainly helps us. I think we've got a lot of good people in our junior um, ranks that um, bring kids through, like our under-16s this year have been outstanding. I think they've made it to the grand final and all the way down through that. We've, we've constantly got kids coming through. Um, and we've got a good recruiting um, person that gets, you know, three or four of those guys over from Melbourne and it's probably a little bit easy to get them over from Melbourne because they actually don't know where the tip is. So, so <laughs> they just know they're near the beach. There's <laughs> a couple of points that break. They probably get a free so ride when from we the rec- airport. When we recruit them over, we actually say we, we're playing on AFL standard grounds, just not ours. Not ours. <laughs> not ours. <laughs> so we get them over, they go, look at it and go, well, this is the same as our country ground. Oh, well, we, we do play on Bell Reeve and North Hobart and so we take them around and show them them first and then bring them back to our club. But um, So we've been able to recruit some good players as well, um, as well as bringing those young blokes through. Smithy, yeah. can I ask you this question? And Aldi's raised the big issue. Is the TSL a real fair league when you've got half the population with two teams and the other half the population with five teams? It can't be because the battle for players clearly in the south is just it's diluting the product down here, and all the coaches have touched on it in the past. What should um, happen? That's the big question. There either needs, in my opinion, there needs to be a third team in Launceston or a team on the coast has to come back. Clearly, all the clubs up there have said they don't want to, and it'll be a really good one to see uh, Damien Gill, who's just been um, announced as the new head of AFL Taz, uh, on what they decide to do with this because at the moment. Anyone on the coast who is a good player of footy and they want to play TSL, if they go to Launceston, they've got a choice of two clubs. You come down south and there's five, and I'd probably argue that the SFL and the old scholars are at a better level than the uh, regional comps up there as well. So there's been money th- uh, thrown about, and it's it has to be addressed because you look at the players running around in the development league for both Launceston and North Launceston, and I reckon there'd be some guys that, Darren would love to have at Lauderdale be walk-up starts in seniors and at other clubs. And why aren't we attracting them down the south? Oh, travel, um, I don't know. It's easier to go an hour as opposed to three, is it, from Burnie or Devonport Move. to come south. <laughs> uh, some of them do, and we've mm. seen over, over the course of the years that some players do come down. But I think, yeah, just for those that want to be remain based on the coast, if you want to play TSL, where well, you're probably going to go to these clubs. And it's not a knock. On North Lonnie, they've been successful for so long, built on what Zane Littlejohn did. Um, he set some foundations in place. I think when the TSL first started, North Lonnie weren't much chopped. They were battling a little bit and they had some culture problems. So Zane cleaned it out um, and they're now riding that through. But there's no doubting they have access to more players. There's no doubting that they're pretty cocky too. You, How do you go when they – because I've seen some of the gestures they make towards you guys particularly because there's a bit of rivalry there. Oh, look, I think that's okay. And and we were, um, I suppose when I was at Clarence and we were winning, we'll, we'll 
pretty pretty cocky as well. And I think the boys <laughs> just a little oh, bit. <laughs> no, Wendy, you'll tell the story. <laughs> well, it was funny like, a couple of weeks ago when we played them. We, there was a bit of a uh, bit of biffo at halftime, and you know a number of their players are holding up three fingers to the boys, and um, that was I don't know whether it was signalling that we'd uh, been runners up three times, although beaten us three times, but either way, it still hurt and um, yeah. they're very confident about what they're doing. So, and good on them, you know, they've, they've been successful. So certainly can't begrudge them um, having a little bit of arrogance about them as well. So can you beat them, Wendy? Like that's the question. I mean, I'm, I do a bit of a show every week on RSN Radio Tassie Time. We talk footy and obviously they are red-hot favourites, let's be honest. All the Southern Tassie gunning for Lauderdale. Can you can you knock them off? Um, look, I, I suppose I'll, I'll play the straight bat. We've yeah. got to – we've. We've got a couple of games to get through yep. to even get anywhere near them. But I, I think they can. I think it's really tight. Um, obviously, they've got the best list. That's why they've only lost one game this year. Yep. That's why they probably only lost one year, last year and the year before. And the, they've been the best team for the last four or five years. Um, but they can be knocked off. Anybody can to, win it. Anybody can win it from yeah. where they are. You so to, do they beat – sorry, do they beat you guys – yeah, in the last couple of years, do they beat you? Do your guys get stage fright or is it they are no, the better side? Is it? Is no, it, look, it's, it's funny – Nobody ever talks about it or worries about it. Yeah. You know, they've been the best. My, my wife said to me the other week, you can never win up there. No, we, we don't win <laughs> up there because they're the, they're the best team. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when um, Glen Orc you're up and about, you don't win at KG5 yeah. because they're a great team. So, yeah. um, well, look, we go into the game thinking we're going to win yeah. every game. And and I suppose that's why we've been up the top of the ladder for a number of years. We, we back ourselves in. You know, they get on top and they're a bloody good team, so they're hard to beat. So, But but we don't go into the game ever thinking we're not going to win. Yep. You had a shock in 10 minutes um, in the last round. Yep. You lost a couple of players. You just had people going down everywhere, including your staunch ruckman, uh, Hayden Smith. Is he any chance to play? Dislocated his uh, um, No, I, I don't think so. But everything went in straight away. I think they put him under, um, pulled it back in and it just clicked back in straight away. But it looked horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> And it was going right angles, but so oh. so for it to go back in like that without too much damage is a bonus for him. But I don't think we're going to see him. So where's TSL Footy at, Windy? You've been around a long time. Um, oh, look, I, I'm the same with Smithy. I, I think they need to get a team out of Launceston, another team, and I think they need to pay for it for a number of years. You know, they, they I suppose they screwed South Launceston over by trying to move them out of Youngtown. It was never ever going to work. Try to bring the storm in, all that sort of stuff. Keep them at Youngtown, get them back in, pay their way for a number of years, get them up, get them strong, and then they can fend for themselves after that. Coastal teams won't come back in. It won't work. I, I spent two years up there. They wanted to get out of the um, state league. Too much but, travel? Well, it's too much travel. Um, you know, it's just tough, cost, all that sort of stuff. And that that continually went on. And it was always there. It was always there from Devonport and Burnie. And I, I don't think they want to come back in. So – I, I don't think we push them to come back in, but we definitely need another one out of, out of Launceston. Different culture up there, isn't it? Yep. Like they are sporting mad, but Absolutely. their region, I worked up there for 14 months. They treat the NTFA or NTFW, whatever it is now, like the AFL. Like yep. it's just nuts. The paper, the advocate, it's all local footy, all local sport. You don't have a back page story. It's fifth grade bowls that's going on there. Like they are so mad, but yeah, it's just, it's that region. I think yep. coming down, the top guys will do it yep. um, and have a crack. But, yeah, it's – and that's why it hasn't worked in the part. They come down, I think, yeah, the travel factor and just that loyalty to, I guess, their own region um, has always been a bit of an issue. Yep. The thing that worries me about the future is that you've got five teams. You're the only team that's really challenging. Yep. The other four are all struggling. You've got 
uh, Glenorchy under-18s and reserves uh, going nowhere. Clarence has got a few good young guys. Um, North North Hobart next year will lose players to the Mariners, yep. so they're going to struggle. Like you, If you look next year, you're again going to be the only mm. side that's going to challenge. So somehow something's got to change. Otherwise, yep. the disparity between the North and the South is going to be completely entrenched. And, lo- and look, I, I suppose that's the uh, big thing for Damien Gill, isn't it? The, where does footy sit? Where does it lie and how do they fix it? And, you know... Like we will continue to find ways to compete against them, and so we we none of the clubs down here are saying, "Oh, you know, it's unfair. It's this, this, this." We're actually trying to find ways to compete with the northern part of the state. If 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 it does fold, and we go back to regional footy. Who's going to play against North Launceston and Launceston up there? Nobody will want them in there. <laughs> no. they, they're giving us floggings. What are really, they going to do with really country footy? Yeah. And I, I don't think, Wendy, you'd probably back me. When I had a bit of an involvement with the Tigers, I don't think people who don't, who don't follow statewide footy don't realise how good it is. The product is fantastic. It, it is. And and you don't want to go out there and say, oh, you know, we're so far ahead of the, uh, the, the teams below us. But every time we play a practice match against, you know, we played Lindisfarne, 150 points. And, you know, we're not playing a, a, our best teams. Yeah. And that happens in every every um, practice match, and that that we play. So it's a massive step, and you know you've got guys going back to those competitions that can't get reserves games at Lauderdale, and they're the key players in their senior. So it's a massive step, and you you need that higher level of footy. So every kid in the state can can test himself. They've got you, some you, little spot, so you've got to have some spot, eh? You know, if there's no VFL and they don't get drafted. Should they have to play country footy at the best level they can, or or leave the state? Now, I, I think that that's why the state league is so good because it gives guys that opportunity to play that highest level they can. Yeah. For me, look, we've got to get to a stage where we've got an academy, we've got a pathway into our own AFL side, because then you can get that true aspiration. I, personally, I don't think having a VFL side is the solution, which they've talked about. Do you reckon Gilly's got any say in it or do you reckon it's Gillan McLaughlin telling him what to say? Um, look, I, I don't think so. I don't think he has. Yeah. He'll, he'll manage it. Right, they'll they'll tell him what what's do. doing and he'll manage it and, yeah. and he'll be able to do that fine. But traditionally they don't, they don't really, they might have a, they might be in the same room. <laughs> I don't think they have much say no. and then they'll, they'll go and put it together. Do you I, like, I think that's what will happen. Do you like the setup of him clearly being having the focus on grassroots footy, um, where he can do that, and we've got Cameron Joyce as that talent pathway manager and the devil's coach. It sounds like it's going to be separated, and Cameron's the one who's answerable to AFL House, yeah. and and Gilly does local stuff. Uh, look, I, I think as long as they've got um, good intentions for um, Tassie footy, I think that's the key, and and I, I don't think that's happened too often. You know, Rob Ald was over here and, and sat in the chair and and. To be honest, we, we all know he didn't do anything and he already knew that he was going to the AFL. So I, I think we need someone that's going to, you know, push him along a little bit, have, have a real feel for Tassie footy. And I think if we can get that, then we'll be happy. I'm not sure that the, the Devils program is quite right yet, um, but I think, you know, Cameron's um, looked like he was going to do a good job and then it obviously all shut down. But I, I think if we can get that right and they can work with the clubs, I think that, that will be a big step forward. But they've got a practice match tomorrow, yeah. 10 days before our finals. doesn't make sense. Yeah. But anyway. So future for Darren Winner in footy. I mean, there's been a bit of talk for a long time that you might – I mean, yeah, it's always your last year at Lauderdale, I sort of say. <laughs> but is, that, is that a negotiating tool, is it? <laughs> I, really, I, I guess my question to you is, mate, I don't think people – and this is just my view – don't probably respect – 
what you've brought to Tassie footy. As a player at Clarence, you're one of the best players we, that ever come across here. You played in premierships, did all those things. As a coach, you've been magnificent with what you've done with Lauderdale. My worry for footy is, is if you do leave Lauderdale, is there a future for Darren Winner in footy in Tasmania? That, my answer to that is there has to be. But have you got any plans as to what you want to do in future no, with footy? No, I haven't. I haven't. I, I really enjoy football. I enjoy being around the players. It's, it's great fun. Um, and I suppose it's more fun now. I'm a little bit older. There's a little bit more pressure off, you know, in business and personal life and the kid, my kids are older. So you've got a little bit more time to spend around the place and um, it's, it's good fun. Um, you know, my wife doesn't want me home. Yeah. She, she definitely, definitely doesn't want me home. Coach again, Wendy. Coach again, Wendy. Contract for you. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just really enjoy it. And people are good to deal with. And I think it's, it's just good fun. Yeah. There's no, I think you look at the longevity of most TSL coaches that we've seen so far and what are you, 10, 11 years into it now. I don't think anybody else has gone beyond five or six. So it's, I remember talking to Budgie Gapen after he did it for a couple and it's just the burnout that they get. I'm, I'm astounded that you do keep going. It sounds like your wife might be forging the contract though, mate, if she doesn't want <laughs> he you is home. The, he is the Kevin Sheedy <laughs> of the TSL. So if you won the flag this year, Wendy, would that be a spur to keep going, give up, or it won't have any impact? It's just something no, it else won't you have want any to achieve. Yeah. Like, like last year, I, I was pretty cut up after the grand final and um, took me a while to sort of get my head around it all. And, you know, a few weeks after, you just sit there and go, you know, I, I st- still like it and I still enjoy it and love being around the boys. And that's what the premiership won't make any difference yeah. to me. It will be fantastic for the players, the club, and, and myself because – that ties you to that group forever. Yeah. You know, I've just we just had a reunion on Saturday with Clarence and that's great fun to go back to those and have a few beers and talk a bit of rubbish and, you know, about what, how good we were and that sort of stuff. Did All you that, mention the helicopter? The helicopter got a massive plug. <laughs> 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 Ask someone if you don't know what the helicopter's about, you'll find out. Um, Google it. <laughs> so uh, that would be special to be able to do that. No, I've, I've probably been fortunate. I've played in a, in a number of premierships and coached a number of premierships. But so it's my, it doesn't, my hat's not getting hung on, you know, yeah. in the premiership, but it would be fantastic for our club and players. Yeah, especially for the community down there, Lord, that would yeah. be great. Well, mate, uh, thanks so much for coming in having a chat on this prestigious show, the Tassie Sports Lounge. I think it's now the most sport, uh, prestigious sports show in Tasmania. It is in our view, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now that I'm here or <laughs> yeah. now, just, just now, now that we've started? <laughs> you did bring a bit of kudos to it. <laughs> uh, we uh, luck, we hope, well, we hope you get the flag, mate. We hope you do get it. and very much. Uh, the community's very lucky for what you've done for footy down there. It's been fantastic, so. Thanks, Jens. It's been a very, very weird season and year of sport. Football, obviously, has been very fractured. And now we look forward to how they piece together a cricket season. And a man who can try and explain it is the CEO of Cricket Tasmania, Dom Baker. G'day, Dom. G'day, Dave. Welcome welcome to this great show of ours, uh, the Tassie Sports Lounge, which I I can say just ticked over 1.5 million downloads. Um, That was without Smithy Bonin. Absolutely. Look, it's a very salubrious surroundings you brought me to today as well. well. Obviously, we haven't spared any expenses. No expense spared. We're yeah. in oldies office. Well, it's a COVID. We're not you on a lounge. Well, it is a COVID environment, so we're watching what we spend. Don't we? Well, let's let's talk COVID. How are you going to piece a cricket season together? I mean, you you're you'll be starting in Adelaide when? Or, yeah. So we, our boys will fly to Adelaide on the eighth of October. So how have you got cricket into them up till now? Uh, well, look. Fortunately enough, um, we've had the ground to ourselves. <laughs> that's a touchy subject. I should have had a word to Wendy while he was here. Um, 
But uh, we've had the we've had the ground to ourselves. Usually, would be away. We would go to Darwin for the whole of August um, to do our pre-season, but um, we've managed it all at home. Um, uh, our curator's done some fabulous work to get our wickets up. We have a marquee over our practice wickets, which allows that to be all weather. Um, and so, you know, we've just done our best, I suppose. Uh, what it has done, we've had a couple of functions with the players, which we wouldn't usually be able to do. Um, so having them at home, them being able to get their partners involved in that kind of thing, we've actually just changed our mindset. Let's, so let's you think it brings best. players close together? A lot of the, Some of the hubs in AFL, they said that it actually brought the group the playing group closer than it has been. Others fractured a bit, but some got really close. Look, our group at the moment could not be tighter, both in our men's and female programs because they've spent a lot of time with each other. They've trained really hard. Um, they, they can't wait to get into it. So, And we've started dropping the word hub. So we don't talk about the hub anymore. We just talk about we're going to play cricket because realistically we travel a lot anyhow. So for cricketers, male or female, to be away, uh, to be living out of a hotel for an extended amount of time. Now, we'll be in Adelaide for almost five weeks. That is a, a little bit of an extended trip. But the reality is our guys are used to that. They're professional athletes. Um, and so we've stopped talking about hub and we're just talking about playing cricket because the reality is I think the teams that get into these um, environments the best mentally will be the sides that succeed the most. And there's, there's absolutely no doubt we've got enough talent to, to go to Adelaide and win our four games. Uh, if we're right between the years, I, I think um, we'll certainly cop a couple of teams that aren't. You know, the, the um, Queenslanders, sorry, the, the Victorians and the New South Welsh guys, they've struggled to get training in. They've been, mm. you know, trying to working it, working um, a lot individually. We've had the benefit of been, being working together since June. So we've had our groups together. They've trained really bloody hard. And, um, and it's actually been good for our whole organisation because we've watched them do it. So usually they'd go away yeah. and we'd hear stories about what they're doing. Yep. But now we're seeing it with our own eyes. You know, we've what we had the, the crew out watching a bit of the practice matches the other day. Uh, we've done a whole raft of things with the playing group and our own people. And there's a really good vibe around the place. So hopefully we can keep our whole organisation now connected when, when you take all the players and a group of coaches and high-performing staff and other staff out in Adelaide for five weeks. Same mm. time we will have our whole female program, some high-performance staff and some other staff supporting them in New South Wales, the organisation's going to be a bit gutted, you know, because there'll be, there'll be uh, nobody there. <laughs> so trying to keep them all together is going to be a challenge. So you're on the first trip, mate, five weeks away from home. Surely you didn't get on that plane, did you? Uh, mate, I'm uh, the second stint in Adelaide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and look, funnily enough, so every, every touring team has to take a compliance officer with them. Yep. Um, and that that person is not supposed to be someone who's currently embedded in the high performance program because we'll take coaches away with our male and female program and their real role is to concentrate on coaching. Yeah. So they wanted um, other members of the organisation to go. Um, we've got a, our execs, you know, we've all got kids and stuff. So we've just broken it up and yep. gone, right, I, I'm Ben Smith. He's doing the first two weeks in Adelaide. I'm doing the back two. Uh, Scott Barnes is going to New South Wales for three weeks and then Simon Inslee's backing him up for the last three there. Um, so we just got to make do, mate. Oh, I've got to say I wasn't that popular at home when I said no, that. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's actually what I was referring to. I thought because yeah, yeah, I mean, let's be honest, with the footy hubs too, I think you need some, let's call it authority, going on those yeah. things, not being rude because yeah. you can get in a bit of trouble. Mm. Yeah, and look, I think 
I was talking to George Bailey about this this morning. So George has flown back in out of the out of that that hub environment in the UK with the Australian team, and he's currently in quarantine in um, in Adelaide. So I was just shooting the breeze with him this morning, and I said, "Well, you know, what's the you know what, what should I be watching out for?" And he said, "Well, it's you've got good people. The problem is boredom. Yeah, boredom's what turns people into thinking. Oh, well, maybe I can just zip down the road and do something." I'll just go and do that or I'll yeah. go and do this. So trying to keep the guys occupied. We're lucky. We're in a hotel on our own. Um, it's got a big outdoor area with a barbecue. And so just having a few stuff. beers, obviously. <laughs> but, but even that, that, but that's that is part of cricket though. So post cricket, we post day of play, the players do have a couple of beers. That's still part of our culture. Yeah, see, that's so different from 40 now, It is, isn't yeah, it? yeah. So so our guys kind of, that's an expectation. So if you take those kind of things away, I think that's where we will get into trouble. So How was that bubble over in the UK? They had... F1 simulators and golf simulators, and then I'm sure you're not going to get that kind of stuff in Adelaide. Well, mate, but do you get a golf course? Can the players get out there? Yeah, so and- we've been told we can play golf, um, but I, I don't know how that's organised yet. So we'll probably have to have a golf course where we can go. Nobody else goes to it, or, or you're not allowed in the pro shop. You've got to take your own equipment. Don't touch anybody else's ball. Now, all that type of stuff just to just to keep it all kosher. But the girls are going, they're, they're going to be based at the old Sydney Olympic Village, and it's going to be – a festival of cricket out there because they've got a cinema, a massage centre, um, a whole heap of stuff that they've built around the old Olympic centre because it's got the equipment there. So it's really – but they're there for, you know, 59 games of cricket are going to be played there. So Incredible, isn't it? Mm. So we've got a couple of big names come in. Peter Siddle. Yeah. How's he settling in? Oh, look, just – Good bloke. Absolutely Beautiful fantastic. teeth. Yeah, he's got, he has got great he's choppers, got, hasn't he? He's got amazing <laughs> teeth. Got, yeah, they, I know. I know he's – I know he – I think he's – is he still vegan? Yeah, absolutely. He could chew yeah. through a steak with them, though, couldn't he? Oh, Seriously, he, he could, could munch it. Yeah, he could eat a chicken through a tennis racket with those days. <laughs> um, he is an absolute ripper, Peter, and couldn't have kind of imagined it would go any better. Uh, he and Jackson Bird are welded at the hip together, you know, and they obviously, you know, Jackson's, uh, he's just over the moon because it really, this is an extension of Jackson's career. And it was one of the reasons we beat, we brought Peter in was so that Jackson wasn't having to carry the load all the time. But he's, he's craft too. Like he, He's one of those guys who extended his career by being so well-crafted in his yep. approach to fast bowling. Yep. So he didn't rely upon just fierce pace or bounce. Yep. He and worked on line he, and length, mate. He's going to work – guys like uh, Riley Meredith and these guys are going to profit from having him around, I reckon. Absolutely. And, and you know, so we'll, we'll be able to – well, actually, they opened the bowling the other day down at Kangaroo Bay and if you didn't know, you'd have thought, well, there's, that, that must be Australia training there because they were unbelievable. Bowled fast, they bowled right on the spot. Wow. And we, I was just thinking, oh, gee, I can see us being right into a few teams by lunch if we win the toss at Bell Reeve on day one. Uh, but, look, he slipped in fantastic. The other thing he's doing is he's spending time with Nathan Ellis, Gabe Bell, uh, Ian Carlisle, uh, Laurie Nile-Smith, and just giving them that indication of what it takes to be an international bowler, not just a first-class bowler. And Peter works as, as hard, if not harder, than any other person in our squad. Um, he's been, he's very generous with his time and he's just bought a, and he's fitted straight in. It's like, this bloke's like been, he's been here forever. forever. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a couple of school clinics with him on, um, on Friday down at Taruna and even with the kids, but just fantastic way about him. So look, we're, we're hoping we'll get two, if not three good, good years of cricket out of him. And um, if he wants to remain in Tasmania coaching, which is, which is one of his goals is to move into coaching. 
Um, gee, we'd be more than happy to have him. He's a great character. To Just have get around. him a toothpaste sponsor and he'll be. Yeah, yeah mate, he'll be the McLeans. Who are we watching out for this year, Dom? It's always a big question every year come cricket season. Who are the who are the Tigers, men and women, programs that we're looking out for for big years? Uh, look, I would be keeping an eye on uh, a young bloke called Tim Ward. Um, Tim came to us from New South Wales, made a, an absolute poultice of grade runs last year for Parramatta. Um, we, we were looking for a batsman. Um, so he was kind of right in the slot. Young young guy, really um, tenacious fellow. He's just had a monster preseason. And for him, it's the first time I think he's been able to be part of a professional cricket program. Yeah. And Jizzy's benefited from it. He got 70-odd yesterday and probably wasn't – I didn't think he was out when he was out, but he's um, – Mate, he's going to be a serious cricketer. Now, whether that's yeah. this year, I think he's an emerging cricketer. Though. How old is he? Uh, Wardy be early 20s. So um, a long 20, way to go. 21, I think. Yeah. 21, 22. But you've got Wardy, you've got uh, Doran made runs yesterday, Wright made runs yesterday. They're our kind of emerging. Damien batters. Wright? No, not Damien. <laughs> not the great man. No, We're trying to bring man. you back into the <laughs> conversation. Right, no, I knew he did a bit. Not the great, the great man didn't make any runs yesterday. But the great he's man. Back. Who, the great man would claim uh, Righty because he gave him he he gave him his cap it was his ah, cap beautiful. presentation last year and yep. and uh, Damien was really big on Mac and um, so I think we've got a few of those batters now that they're gonna it's their time you know yep. it's their time to shine uh, so I'd be keeping an eye on that middle order of ours I reckon there's there's a future Australian player amongst that lot yep. how about uh, Nathan Ellis you mentioned him yeah. it's just a bolter in uh, the Hurricane squad in the BBL yeah well with year. the ball I think Nathan we're really looking forward to seeing what year two for Nathan looks yeah. like um, and he's a good character and he really knows his game well so I think you know that's the thing with Nathan's that that maturity that comes with having to work your own way into the program has meant that he's got a really good understanding of how he bowls. Um, he doesn't try to do too much. You know, he, do, he, do, he just does what he does best. But Ian Carlisle and Laurie Niles-Smith, who are the young guys, the young guns, they've really had a monster preseason. Laurie's been – he was ill all last year. It's his first time away from home, so I don't think he was looking after himself <laughs> that well. But he's he's kind of grown and filled out a bit. and uh, So we, we've got a, a really good bowling attack. Um, if we can get some of our young batters to stand up, I think we'll be – Fantastic. In the girls, well, young Amy Smith at yeah. 15, we've recruited her and she already looks like yeah. – she, she looks like she's going to walk out there and play. Good player. 15, it's unbelievable, belying her, her years. Mm. Um, so and, – and I reckon Rachel Priest, we deliberately went and recruited a, a hard-edged international female cricketer to yeah. give some of our emerging young girls some support. And uh, she is fantastic. Fantastic around the group. She's doing coaching in our pathway. Yeah. Um, but she clears the pickets. And, and if you watch the female game, they're, you know, they're still building strength. Uh, yeah. You know, getting girls that can clear the fence often is not that common at the minute. Yeah. But she clears it with ease. She hit one out, out into the road at Kangaroo Bay on um, Friday. Effort. It's a fair yeah. Effort. Yeah. So she's, uh, she's one to watch out for because she's, she's also got that tough, um, you know, cricketing edge, yeah, which okay. I think when you look at our female program, we're coming from, Amateur, yep. semi-professional to professional, yep. and so you know we've we've still got some of the girls have still have been they they hark back to the amateur days, so yep. we you know, bring them through as a group and get a few tough nuts around them. I think yep. that's talking early about Timmy Ward, mate. I suppose and leading into club cricket, which obviously is overlapping with footy this yep. year. We're touching on off air before yep. that the reason for that. Um, when it comes to grade cricket, how much importance is going to be placed on that this year with no second 11? I guess is this going to be a time for some guys in that competition to put their hand up? And yeah. how will it work trying to get people over into the bubble if you need to? And 
early shield days. Yeah, well, very early in the in the piece um, when we went, were going through the cost cutting exercises for cricket Australia, it was looked like second eleven was going to be an early casualty. So we started some work when we were doing our own redesign on on making sure that we preserved the funding to grade cricket because it was going to look like we we're going to be relying on it a lot. So. Um, so it's got a lot of focus on it at the moment. Um, we, we have some issues with getting the grant grounds up and everything because of footy, but we'll work through all that type of thing. But it, it's never been so important um, for our grade cricketers to score runs and take wickets because they'll get opportunities. That's the only other way we're going to get a look at them. You won't, um, at this stage, we won't be able to take players into the bubble. So we'll have to take a squad with us. Which is a little disappointing because we it'd be nice if uh, Ward made two back to back centuries at university yeah. and then we could fly him over. Um, but yeah, you know, so we'll have to balance that stuff. Um, it's a sixteen man squad, I think, going for for the Tigers, which will um, they'll have selection on Thursday for that. Um, so we'll we'll be publicising it on Friday and making a fuss over those who go. And 16 kind of gives you enough coverage. And then then there's you've got the ability to fly a player in from, a, you know, basically an emergency. So if we had, um, you know, the sniffles go through the joint, nobody can play. So you can't, you know, <laughs> that's, so, you know, happens, yeah, happens. Yeah, 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 catch someone sneezing and they're out. So you, they have got the flexibility to bring them in, but it's by exception. So How, how are you, you feeling about the, um, the international program? Yeah. Are I, you disappointed? Uh, look, no, because I've known for a while, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you were disappointed, but a while ago. Yeah, yeah. And I, look, I think once we cancelled New Zealand at the end of last year, we were going to be pushing it uphill yeah. internationally. I just said to our guys, don't worry about international cricket at the moment. Let's focus on getting cricket at mm. all. Yeah. Um, look, it, it is a little disappointing, but, but what it does do is sets us up for the following year really well. I know that's no kind of consolation right now, but for next year, we've got um, – you'll have six test – well, five test matches for Ashes, potential of a sixth with Afghanistan because they, they need to get that test match away. The New Zealand games are reciprocal games that had to be played to even up the schedule. So there could actually be a host of international cricket and there's not, you know, not the grounds to play them on in a five-test summer. Um, so you're thinking that we could get some in Tassie? Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're already agitating to make sure we're going to get our share at the end of next year so um you know I, i'm still clinging on to that dream that uh tim payne and matthew wade can walk out into oh, yeah, in a test before they before they finish and yeah. and you know Ted payne uh, as you guys would know every opportunity he gets to speak to early things or anybody in ca he lets them know so um look it wouldn't it be wonderful if we had Afghanistan, for example, at the at the end of next season. So I think that the window they're looking at is around February, which is perfect for Tasmania. Like great weather, weather that, yeah. Uh, wouldn't it be great to see Tim Payne lead the Australians out there after a successful Ashes Ashes season? It's almost like a celebration test, and mm. be fantastic. We'll just uh, we'll bat first, bat for four days, and then bowl them out <laughs> twice, and she's all done. <laughs> uh, wait, quick one, Matty Wade. I was understand he may miss a couple of shield games just to spend some family time ahead of yeah. a big summer. Is that right? Yeah. So Matthew's in, um, he's in uh, quarantine at the moment in Adelaide. Uh, so the players got to choose what they wanted to do. They could either hang around in Adelaide and then come back. Cause at that stage there was no open border. So um, Matthew chose to come home. So did, and Riley, I think, I'm not sure what, Riley, I think he might be coming home as well. Um, 
but you know they've been on a reasonable tour, so we we were comfortable with that. We'll we'll have Paney in the squad anyway, so from a leadership perspective, we're we're happy we've got that covered off, and he can go and zip off, get some rest because it's going to be a long summer for Matthew. So um, he'll come home, spend two weeks at home in isolation, one week out, <laughs> then go back to Adelaide. <laughs> what Don? What's what's Paney bought? I mean, go back a couple of years. Paney was out of pretty much out of the shield ranks. He's now Australian captain stuff. I know he's a good mate of yours and he's probably a lot of mate of ours a ripping guy. What's he brought to Tassie cricket, you know, being Australian captain stuff? He's such a lovely personal yeah. guy. you got Wade in now. We've always had George Bailey. We're so lucky. Yeah. Cricket is flourishing in Tasmania with good people. Oh, particularly with leadership. And, you know, one of the reasons for getting Peter Siddle was to replace George, George's leadership as much as anything. Yeah. Um, and just to have that presence in the, in the dressing room when you've got such a young group. We are a completely different side when Matthew Wade and Tim Payne are standing in that dressing room. Yeah. You know, the confidence that they give our players uh, because they are, you know, Tim's also spent, and, and Matthew for that matter, but, but Tim in particular, the whole preseason in Tasmania, so which is unusual. So he's had the ability to, you know, spend time with some of our younger blokes to talk through, um, you know, the different strategies of the game and how to get yourself prepared and fit. And what, what has, I reckon, really resonated with our guys is how hard he worked recently. Yeah. But, so and Matthew's the same. They train at a different level than everybody yeah. else. Like they, they are absolute junkies for training, and and that that starts to rub off on your squad. Yeah. They also don't take any um, any crap either. Like if they if they see something they don't like, they say, you know, hey, hey, come on, you do that properly. And it's quite. I chuckle as I walk around the ground sometimes, and and you hear Payne go, hey, finish that off properly, or Wadey jagging one of them by the back of the top saying that's not good enough, you know, and that's what you want yeah. in, your, in your group. Yeah. So they bring – they do make us walk taller. I can tell you now Tim Payne is hitting the ball better than he has for 10 years Yeah. because he's had a great preseason at home. He's had Michael DiVenuto and a lot of our coaches working with him and, mate, he looks absolutely bloody terrific at the moment. So, so that was another one I was going to say, Diva back is obviously a big pickup. And yeah. so you can answer that one in a second. The other one is we go back to our good mate, Righty. I've got to ask this question. <laughs> I think when he obviously left Tassie Cricket, he wasn't the happiest man with Tassie Cricket and he's a good mate of all ours. So he's obviously yeah. a real good mate of yours. My understanding is you're trying to bring him back into the fold. You must be keen to get him back in and I reckon cricket would be a better place having Righty involved. Is it true that you're going to try to – I'm not saying the coaching role, but obviously I know he's a good mate of yours. What, well, what we're what, – I'm trying to reopen the doors of Tasmania cricket to some people who might have left in, in say, uh, you know, not great circumstances. And, and you know, through no fault of anybody's, whether whether it just wasn't handled well at the time. But one of the things that has kind of, coming from a footy background, one of the things that has startled me with cricket is we've got very poor connection with our past players and our past champions. Yeah. So once they go out of the game, we don't, we, we don't connect very well at all. Yeah. And so we are we are really working on that because it's the guys like the Mick Farrells and the and the Damian Wrights, uh, the Dykesies and those guys that were in our in our system when we won. Yeah. And let's face it, we're a professional sporting organisation. We're not just there for the development. Yeah. We've got to win trophies. Yeah. Um, and to win trophies, you need to be surrounded by winners. So. Um, you know, Wrighty's doing a great job down at um, Uni. at university, and um, and you know, there's plenty of stuff coming up for him, particularly when we get back to pathway cricket. So when we get our 15s, 17s, 19s yep. back going, you know, Damien's one of those guys that works really well with the younger group too. Yeah. So there'll be plenty of opportunities for people who love cricket, who've got the expertise, and just because they've been part of our organisation in the past doesn't preclude them from coming. Oh, I reckon it's great in. to get people like him back in. Oh, Obviously, Diva yeah. coming back, I mean, got to be regarded as one of the best 
well, let's say batting coaches, but yeah. if not coaches in in the in the world, not just yeah. Australia. It's got we've to be had some bad that. luck this uh, through COVID. You know, we've got, we've got the bloody ground ready for football, then it got canned, and we've done you know a couple of other things that haven't quite worked out. But um, one of the silver linings was was Michael. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's he got paid out on his uh, contract from uh, at Sussex or Surrey, 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 I think it is. Yeah, and. Um, and looking for something to do. So what, what do you what do you say to the world's best batting coach? Yeah. You know, the guy that was responsible for Steve Smith. Yeah. Oh shit, we can't find anything for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we found something for him very quickly. <laughs> and look, it's funny because Michael's presence is he, for those who know Michael, he's got a real calming presence about him too. Like he's a very even head, uh, and very quickly, both in our male and female program, people have gravitated towards him and they're and, and He's really helping them work on their batting, and you know, Payne will be one of those guys that benefits from him. But so, the girls in our in our female program, he's it's just like waving a magic wand because yeah. they, you know, with all respect to our female program and its coaching staff, they've never had exposure to someone of the quality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they would be getting the best coaching in the country, if not the world, in female cricket at the moment from Michael. Uh, and he's so generous with his time. So um, look, we're we're very hopeful that we can get through uh, commercially through this season with enough uh, brass in our pocket to keep him going. And I yeah. think we will, to be frank. Yeah. How about the Canes? How are we looking for the Canes? The BBL. Yeah, the Canes are looking good. Um, really good, actually. Hanscom is that you yeah, see Peter him Hanscom. as a good addition to the squad? Yeah, well, interesting because he's that kind of George Bailey batter that we need. You know, so George played that role of uh, you know comes in at four, five or six around that tail, bangs 30 off 10. You know, that's mm. Hanscom we're looking to play that role. He can also take the wicket-keeping gloves as well, which gives us another dimension just in case we don't want to keep with someone like a, a, a McDermott, um, which which I, I you know, I, I'm probably thinking that's a better idea. Let, let him field, let him concentrate on his mm. batting. Um, so, yeah, good good sign-up there. Um, we're about to announce a couple of overseas. Um, they've got to be signed off yet, but um, – they're uh, they're pretty good names. Um, come so on, give us a two. Come on, that, the number one, the number one T Twenty batter in the world was floated as one, uh, wasn't he's he? He's been floated uh, around, David yeah. Milan, but And funnily yeah. enough, when we was talking to David, <laughs> he was uh, he was about six or seven. So we've got to. Uh, this could be the first time we bring an overseas batter to to, to Australia and actually go well. Some, <laughs> there, there is some pressure there, isn't there? I guess we've had some not so good success with batsmen. I guess, yeah. How do you go about? Does it alter what you look yeah. for when you're chasing him, or is it just a bit of bad luck sometimes? When well, look, if Darvin Malone came to play with us, it, 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 it would have been done on the basis that he's had a successful summer in Australia before. Uh, and so, what we, you know, Kuma Sangrakara, the best batsman in the world, mm. when he arrived here as well. That's another. So that's right. If you want to talk to Roddy, he destroyed that man. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, you get our wickets are different, you know, and, and they're prepared to, for the one day cricket to be slick, for the ball to come on quick, and for some of some batsmen around the world, that's difficult. He had peeled off four hundreds in the World Cup though, so that yeah. was an, an anomaly that just I think unfortunately yeah. Yeah, for no, Paul Kumar, just, just couldn't just putting that down to Roddy. Really, Roddy. I, I say to Roddy all the time, he ruined his career. He goes, he ruined mine. I well. <laughs> <laughs> got the sack afterwards. <laughs> um, but but I think um, you know we've got some good internationals. We've really got a good local spine too, and then, and I think to win the BBL, you've got to have a very good Australian spine, and then. Just get some, some good additions. Just yeah. get some good additions. And I think well, we've had a really good spine for the last couple of years and we just probably haven't got that extra five or ten percent out of our out of our internationals. So we're hoping that we can do that this year. 
Well, thanks very much for coming in, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure getting an insight into what it's going to look like. It's going to be fascinating just to see how our players do handle, well, it's not a bubble or a hub. Uh, uh, what cricket. You, it's just cricket. <laughs> That's how they handle cricket this year. How though. will you feel if someone does sneak out and cost you 50 grand or whatever? Like, as long as it's not on my watch, I'll be happy. But <laughs> the coach did say to me, he goes, well, that's great, Dom, you're coming as the compliance manager, but who's going to look after you? So we, we, yeah, maybe I should take Righty. Righty, look after Righty. There is a job. Yeah, yeah. Righty, you've got a new job. Yeah. You've heard it here. Thanks for coming in, mate. Have a great season. We look forward to the Tigers and the Canes being really successful in 2020, 2021. Pleasure. As we just found out this week that we're one of the top-rating uh, sports podcasts in the world, uh, the Tassie Sports <laughs> Lounge has gone to number five worldwide. I'm pretty confident. Isn't that what you said, Oli? We'll go up the ladder now. We've got the next guest. So, yeah, yeah, we're flying. Well, obviously, Tasmanian Netball takes you to, into the stratosphere. And who better to talk to than the man himself, Aaron Pigeon? He's the homing pigeon. G'day, Aaron. G'day. How are we? Mate, I've got to tell you a story, just the word pigeon. A mate of mine told me the other day, when he was a kid, he had pigeons, right, and he used to sell them, but they were actually homing pigeons. They'd come back to his place and he'd sell them again. <laughs> he made a fortune out of them. This is a true story. He's only a kid and he didn't realise it was wrong. But Trusted to be one of your dodgy mates. Yeah, he's a dodgy mate. <laughs> mate, the Cavaliers. It's a, it's a very good business model, isn't yeah. it? So we've got the Cavaliers in both the under-19s and the seniors grand final, uh, both the silver name, up against the Hawks in the seniors. How, how does that looking? Yeah, look, I think they should be really good games. Last week's games were all really tight, at least the, the sort of first half, three quarters, and I think both the games on the weekend could go right down to the wire. So that's that's exciting. Aaron, I guess the season as a whole, we've seen all the uh, difficulties that all, all the major sports has, have sort of had with the COVID situation. What's it been like for netball uh, and trying to get it underway as, as an indoor sporting, mate, with the restrictions that are in place there? Uh, look, it's been a tough year. Um, certainly the clubs and, and associations have done it hard, but we've all all sort of worked together and gotten ourselves to the point where most of the um, the competitions have gotten up and gotten away. But obviously the the indoor status has, has really hurt us. I mean, this weekend, well, last weekend gone, we played four games and each of those games couldn't have more than about 150 people in the grandstand after you took into account the spectators with the restrictions that we've got in place. So much as anything, I think it's just disappointing for the, the participants to, um, to have to sort of play a pretty high-profile match in, in a in a big stadium with a little atmosphere. But at the end of the day, it could be worse. We um, we may not have been able to get back on the court at all. So we're pretty lucky and we've been live-streaming the game. So everyone's, um, everyone's still been able to watch and no one's missed out. So has COVID hurt participation numbers in Nepal? Obviously, Nepal is a massive participation sport in Tassie, Aaron. Has it, has it done anything to participation numbers this year? Yeah, look, it it has. I mean, it, uh, this year there's certainly been a runoff, probably about seven or eight percent. Um, it's really hard to tell at this stage whether that's that's going to sustain or whether we're going to bounce straight back to to where we were previously. Signs are pretty good that that most of the people have had to pull the pin this year have done so more in relation to a change of season timing. Um, few people obviously under under financial duress, which is not good, but. We certainly hope we'll bounce back next year, but I think all sports taken a bit of a participation hit across the board, and um, we're probably lucky that we're even back out there playing in a lot of ways. In um, certainly in other states, they haven't got netball back up and running at all. No, you've done a great job with that, and very much north-south rivalry this weekend. We've got a fantastic game between the Hawks and the Cavs. How how strong yeah. is that? How strong is that rivalry? Oh yeah, it's pretty strong. Um, 
so we've got the the open game. We've got the Cavs and the Hawks playing each other, and even just Launceston. Fair to say that they're, uh, if I'm politically correct, I'll say they're reasonably competitive with each other. Um, and and then we've got uh, we've got Cribs and Cavs in the 19s, and probably no love lost there either. Those two clubs have played in a lot of uh, finals against each other in state league over the years, and um, yeah, I think there'll there'll be a fair bit of fair bit of heat in both the games this weekend, which is what we want. The old uh, non-contact sport theory will be out the window, and I reckon it'll be pretty willing. The, the Hawks-Cavs rivalry, I guess, mate, has this been something that's been brewing for a couple of years? I guess a rematch of last year, if I'm not mistaken, and Hawks undefeated again this year, but I think they fell at the final hurdle last year. Do you think there'll be a bit of uh, motivation there for those girls? Yeah, I, look, sometimes I think it's worse to be undefeated because it adds a fair bit of pressure at the, at the final hurdle, as you say. But look, they're, they're pretty well prepared. They've got a couple of players that are in really good form, but um, I think the Cavaliers have, have got probably a little bit more depth and tend to use the rolling subs. We brought the rolling subs in this year and they use that to, to really good advantage to make sure that they're, they're running out the game strongly. So I'd hate to put money on this one, to be honest. I think the Hawks should win it given the season they've had, but um, I wouldn't mind being in Cavs' position as the underdog coming into that game. How about the under-18s? Uh, yeah, look, the, the, the juniors, um, it's an interesting one. Crips have beaten Cavaliers both times have played them, but I'm I'm not sure the score lines are probably indicative of, of the competitiveness of either of those matches. I think both both teams finished one and two on the ladder and only separated by a, a little bit of percentage. Um, I probably need to be a little bit parochial and, and back crits there because there's a family tie, but um, <laughs> I reckon that, that one could fall either way as well. So, um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd hate to have to wager on either of the ones this weekend. I think they'll be cracking games to watch. Now, while we've got you, we were having conversation off air, and um, I, what do you think about the situation with the Tasmanian side, the Magpies uh, affiliation? Do you think we should have our own standalone Tasmanian side? Uh, it, look, to answer that question on its own, yeah, I do. I really do. Um, we certainly just, you know, having a bit of a look into what our options are there as as we should, it's prudent to do so. Um, the Collingwood Magpies relationship has been valuable. Um, you know, we've got a good relationship with them. We've, we've had success in the A&L competition, the underpinning Conto SSN. We've had matches in Tasmania. But um, whilst all national sporting leagues are pretty expensive to run, the, the, the cost of running a, an SSN team isn't probably anywhere near as high as some other sports. Um, and we that's something that we're quite interested in down the track, uh, whether it be in two years or ten years, is exploring whether we can get a, a team in our own right. We think we've got the, the support. Obviously, getting corporate support is pretty important, and that's something we'll, we'll have a look at. But um, uh, we're certainly not going to sit back on our hands and say that a partnership is, is the way for us to the future. We absolutely want our own team at the right time, and we, whether you know, we're not sure what that right time is just yet, but we're going to find out. Sarah, when you say that, I mean, let's be honest, you're not going to be the same budget as an AFL side or a cricket side or any of that sort of stuff. What sort of what sort of dollars, like budget wise, would it take to get a Tasmanian side in that league? Um, what sort of are we talking a million dollars less? What sort of money are we talking to, to that Tassie could get aside? Oh no, look, total total cost. We're probably talking a bit over three mil. Um, yep. The salary cap itself is uh, it, it might get a bit of a shift again this year, but the the total cap with all of the incentives probably sits at around 700 grand. And when you look at it that way, I mean, well, that's 
that's the cost of about the fourth best player on most AFL teams, probably, is it? So, so is it? So um, is it worth starting a GoFundMe page? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'd throw my support behind you. You kicking one off on our behalf, Dave, if that's what you're suggesting. He's your, your um, inaugural chairman, Dave Yeah, Mooney. yeah. Go yeah, yeah. Number, number one ticket holder. Either yeah, that. No, look. Either that or uh, see if Larry Kesterman's got a cousin or something. Like, it's a, it's a cheap man's basketball club, really, isn't it? Well, forget Larry's cousin. If, if Larry had liked to back us, we'd, we'd love to talk to him. I mean, the, the reality is that uh, I reckon he needs another good entertainment product out there regularly at the deck and – an SSN team has filled that void fairly nicely, I think. So, yeah, look, it'd, it'd be nice to have sort of a, uh, a wealthy backer, but the reality of that is that it's probably unlikely we'll need to get there with with corporate support and a pretty strong financial model. And, and you know, we're having a look at that to, to see what that looks like for the future. Um, but, you know, we're, we're optimistic that we'll get there at some stage and it absolutely has to be our goal. I think anyone that's watched SSN this year has seen the explosion of young talent um, that's had an opportunity to play with expanded lists. And, um, you know, they may have nowhere to go next year when those lists get contracted back to 10 again. And what uh, what better opportunity than to have a team in Tassie and, and have uh, have them playing out of here and, and eventually get a, a really strong base of Tasmanian athletes in a Tasmanian SSN team. I'd love to see that. David Adam, no, I'm a ma- passionate supporter about getting Tassie sides in national competitions, mate. And I think when you talk of the money you're talking, it's a, it's a have to do, and we've got to do it sooner rather than later because we're going to have yeah some other sports are obviously knocking on the door now that Larry's bringing an NBL side down here. We've had a chat to Don Baker today from Cricket. I think when you're talking the numbers of $3 million, I mean, I think we could take a little bit off the footy budget that we give AFL every year. There's your major sponsor done with Tassie over the ladies' side and uh, get him into the national comp. I don't think that's a hard one. Um, I reckon that's Controversial. Very <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that I'm going to touch on the, uh, the method there too much in, in the interest of preserving relationships. But I, no, I we're like happy to thinking. do it for you, mate. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like your thinking. I think we, um, we've we got to think outside the square in terms of the way we do things in our own sport as well, just in terms of um, the different uh, avenues of commercialisation. We're pretty conservative probably at the moment and there's a few few different channels that we could pursue that we choose not to at the moment, but we'll, we'll sort, certainly keep talking to the government about what support they might be able to provide for us um, at once once this Collingwood deal wraps up. Um, and, and we're certainly really, uh, really keen to talk to anyone that wants to get behind women's sport. Um, you know, clean image. We, we think we've got a really pr- strong product to sell. And if there's anyone out there that's looking to sponsor a, uh, a sports organisation, we reckon we've got a pretty good product. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how we go over the next couple of years and happy to talk to as many people and I certainly appreciate your support, guys. Any, any well, support we get is greatly you, appreciated. You're on one of the world's highest rating sports podcasts at the moment. so I, well, I think what we do, Aaron, is we actually set, for the uh, sports <laughs> days, we actually set this as a, a goal. Noonan has to get on and work out how we can get a lady side in the national netball comp. Right There's now. the challenge. challenge. Oh, <laughs> put it out to him. Here if I this, go. If he's going to do anything with this podcast, let's put the challenge out to him, Aaron, <laughs> that he is going to be the one who gets behind getting a Tassie side well, you know in what? the national comp. Okay. Well, we, yeah. we've talked about we've talked about getting the Premier on soon. So that'll be the number one thing we'll ask the Premier is can can they fund, as a recovery, part of the recovery of Tasmania, can they fund a netball side in the National League? There you go. Yeah, and we'll help push it. That's yeah. our goal, Aaron. Mate, thank you so I'll, uh, much. I'll hold you that one, Dave. Look forward to that. Aaron Pigeon from Netball Tasmania. Have a great grand final weekend up in Lonnie and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Cheers. 
around Tasmania, there are a myriad of clubs in every sport from darts to eight ball to football to netball. And they're all clamouring to get on this great podcast, the Tassie Sports Lounge, which has just gone over the two million downloads in the last couple of hours. Uh, it's just getting bigger and bigger as we talk. So this man's very lucky to get on. They call him Barrel. <laughs> Thank you, David. From Clubs Tasmania. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm very well for a Tuesday. So what's happening in Clubland? Oh, plenty. All yeah. Right. So, yeah, lots of courageous clubs out there who are taking on the pressures of COVID to actually have a look at their um, sustainability and viability. So I thought maybe that might be a good place to start today, to talk about some of those um, uh, well, conversations. I suppose one of the things that comes to mind, will clubs survive this? Because obviously they rely upon the financial side of it, getting support from the community, and suddenly they're out for a year, a lot of clubs could fold. Yeah, well, definitely. Like Ossport put out a uh, report about a month ago, which we smashed up on our uh, webpage on our Facebook uh, which is and website, which is www.tha.asn.au. Go to the clubs page. And that sort of says that about 30% of clubs are going to disappear because of the pressures of COVID. They're not going to be able to cope. They're not going to have enough money to go on. So it's a good announcement the other week, though. Government, state government took uh, basically the money from Hawthorne. I think it was reported in the Merck, Adam, that the money that Hawks saved over $2 million, or sorry, the government saved from the Hawks deal was going in local sport. That's a great outcome. Yeah, fantastic. And so hopefully that, that appears as some kind of support package for community clubs that they can access. And we've certainly uh, already advocated that up the line through to Community Sport and Rec and to be able to say, hey, it would be great if that was spent in the community club industry. So have you talked to any clubs who are going to fold at this stage or are they still trying to work their way through it? No, I think we're, we're trying to look at a glass half full, Dave. Mm. So we're trying to talk. Sorry to, to bring it down, mate. No, that's okay. And you, you no, talk- you keep on talking. <laughs> Michael Jordan's just trying to get through to him. He wants to come on the show <laughs> next week. So has he, has he got a tip, Lakers or Heat? Uh, he said Lakers. <laughs> yeah, well, I think everybody. Smithy, what do you think? Oh, well, if you're on sports, but you've already got your money, I think they've paid out yesterday. <laughs> so so apparently be, it's Lakers all the way. That'll be four zip. Aldi? Lakers, I would have thought. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, I'll go the upset. I'll go the heat just to have a point of difference. Not going to happen. Anyway, back to courageous clubs. Yeah, so we're sort of trying to take the line of the glass half full. So we're reaching out to those clubs that are trying to think outside the box and think, well, how are we going to remain? How are we going to be viable and sustainable into the future? So... And, you know, one, one good example is in the Sorrell region, we've got two junior football clubs that have both been struggling for, say, the last three to five years, haven't got a lot of volunteers, they haven't got teams in every age group, um, and their region is growing rapidly. Um, and so those two clubs, which is Sorrell Junior Football Club and Dodgers uh, Ferry Football Club, have agreed in principle. We had a meeting the other night at a clubs forum down in Sorrell and they've agreed to um, rebrand in 2021 as South East Junior Football Club. Good so is that an indictment on footy though? Like, is that an indictment on where footy as in AFL is at, that you've got two regions growing like Dodgers, Ferry, Sorrell? We had Windy on earlier on the show saying Lord Dale's going great guns with juniors and flying, and then you get an area of Sorrell, Dodgers, that is growing rapidly, yet they've got to merge the two clubs. I, I personally think you, it does. I think it shows that the junior development at that grassroots level is really struggling. Part of it is that the whole school football model which we all grew up with, has completely changed and died. Yeah. And that transition into junior footy, where you had the, the different levels of junior footy, that's died as well. So you just haven't got that pathway anymore. I mean, good on to the two clubs. Don't get me wrong for yeah. doing it. But I just say, I think it's an indictment on where AFL's at in the junior ranks, that you've got that sort of situation of growing region like that. We've got football dying up the in the middle of the state, in the old, you know, the ODFA, whatever we've called it. You've got all these other leagues struggling. You've got junior footy where two clubs in a in an area growing like that. I was Sorrell president years ago of the senior club. Dodgers and Sorrell were both very healthy clubs. I just worry about where sport in general is going if you're going to have to merge two junior clubs. That, to me, puts worrying signs to say something's happening. 
and look, you, you know that the agenda in schools now is numeracy and literacy, and so that's the focus. So for whatever reason, they've made a strategic choice not to resource sport in schools. And then you look at the grassroots level, so the peak body for is AFL-TAS. They're not resourcing junior clubs to grow their their corridor or their region. They just, they're just they all run by volunteers. And if there's only four volunteers in a junior footy club, how are they supposed to like go and reach out to schools if somebody's got to do it in their own time? People are too busy working, juggling family and a whole range of other It comes roles. down to the few parents that have got to do it. I mean, well done to the clubs. I just think it's just an indictment on where the AFL's at and the, the funding we put into it. Take the, some of the funding off AFL, Dave, to your women's netball side in Tassie. Yeah, well, That's we the push. Pushing. Netball, obviously, is the boom sport as far as the Tassie Sports Lounge is concerned. Uh, we're expecting to have an announcement soon that there'll be a women's uh, – Women's team. Major sponsor will be the lounge, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> At this stage, we're struggling with sponsorship. Searching I'm sure we can get there. <laughs> There'll be somebody out there that wants to jump aboard, surely. If anyone does want to, we haven't even got a number. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your mobile? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you know, they could call the club's toll-free number, 1300 125 827. Oh. Reach out to Maury and I'll jump. I'll grab Smithy and Dave and Aldi and we'll, we'll find somebody. The only true professional. <laughs> it's finals times, Maury, for obviously a lot of sports now. Is that going to help? In any way, some of these clubs recoup, obviously, a bit of money that has been lost over this COVID period. It's certainly going to play a role, Smithy, and I know if we hark back to the last episode, Aldi and Dave, and uh, we advocated that we wanted to increase um, crowd numbers from 500 to 1,000, and the government's actually listened to that, which is fantastic. And so finals, will be you know, you'll be allowed to have 1,000 people at game. So it's certainly going to play a role um, with an extra 500 people in the venue, Smithy. So how the summer sports wind up? We talked to Don Baker today. Obviously, we're getting to the end of winter, so netball, AFL and all these finals times. How are you starting to talk to a few of the summer clubs, you know, your bowls clubs and all those sort of things? How are they fronting, looking to the, you know, with all the restrictions that have been on, how are they looking for this year? Yeah, look, bowls clubs are probably under a fair bit of pressure simply because of the, the age demographic of a bowls club in Tassie is between 57 and 64. So there's so many restrictions and rules and guidelines that they've got to get, get, on, get their head around. So that comes down from community sport and rec to their peak body, which is bowls Taz. And, you know, so they're probably struggling under that workload, but they're going to open. That bowl season starts this weekend, so where they're open for business. They're not going to be impacted by the 500 limit, but they're going to open, but they're going to have to, as I said, consume their food and alcohol seeded. I know a few bowlers, they're going to struggle with the uh, sit-down drinking. <laughs> Correct. So that, that, that'll come back then to, you know, who's going to police that? We know that there's an issue across the state with WorkSafe or TAS Police, like who is in charge of, of being the nasty pasty to make sure that those social distancing rules are enforced. Oh, I think it's really important the work that you're doing. The more that can be put into those grassroots clubs, all the small regional clubs, because they're the heart and soul of communities. That's the other thing. I mean, I, some of my happiest times playing sport were up at Ringaruma, coaching the footy team up there. I don't know if you've ever heard, but back-to-back premierships, 100% coaching record. I, I just want we'll to cut, We'll cut that part out. <laughs> yeah, we know Dave Anna Hecksmith medal when uh, you play for Scott Star. We know but, all about that. But yep. it was the heart and soul of the community. Like on a, on a winter Saturday, you'd get the netball team playing, you get the footy team playing, everyone went back to the pub, then everyone went to the hall. It was just the community. That's how everyone got together. And I just – I feel sorry for all those communities that we'll never have that again. I think those times are gone for a lot of towns. Yeah, and I would certainly say the scope and the scale of that has changed. So if you go back to Ring and Rumor and Mavis, who was running the canteen, mm. she would have had to make 400 salad rolls. And it's actually Sylvie Petterwood. Hello, Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're listening, Sylvia. Number one rating show in that region yeah. out of the Dorset Council. Um, so, yeah, so the economy of scale has changed, but clubs are certainly still a place where people go to and they feel like they connect, they belong, and they feel safe. For a lot of people in our community, Smithy, you're a member of a club. Where do you go? Where do you feel like you're safe and belong when you go to a local club? Oh, absolutely. You used to uh, finish up a day's play and you go straight to the bar and have a beer after being in the cricket field for 
50 odd degrees for 40 odd overs. So it wasn't much 50 fun. Overs. <laughs> Tell me when you actually stayed in 50 <laughs> overs, Smithy. Oh, no, no, I didn't. No, I was never that good. But no, it, it is. They, they're such a vibrant part and it's where stories are told and, and obviously all the memories are. So, yeah, we definitely need our clubs to, uh, to survive through this period. And Clubs Taz is doing, Maury's doing a magnificent job with that because the community clubs, as we talk about, are the hubs of every community. I don't care whether it's Ringaroma, Scott Starr, it's down the peninsula, wherever it is, down the hill. And I mean, look at it on a Saturday morning, you go down to these ovals and courts and all those sort of things. It is the 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 lifeblood of all local communities and we've got to do everything we can through Clubs Taz to make sure they survive. And they are the only voice Clubs Taz for the com- community sporting you know, um, industry and Maury's got a big job ahead of him but doing a great job and we've got to continue to put more money in on it and you know we can't pay volunteers yeah so I was about to get volunteers but we do have to f- fix some of those issues around um, junior development participation some of those state sporting organisations that get a bit of money need to do you know Maury's doing a lot of work with them as to how we do grow participation because if they're not coming through the junior ranks we're not having them in the senior ranks you know later on down the track so there's still a bit of work to be done there Yeah thanks for coming in mate and good luck with uh, that project No worries thanks team You've been listening to show two of Tassie Sport Lounge. Be sure to share the show and follow us on socials at Tassie Sport Lounge on Instagram and Facebook.